in ultra running, I feel like you've got to be flexible, adaptable, quick to solve problems. And when things go bad, sometimes you just got to be like, you just got to laugh when crazy things happen. You're like, this is this is just ridiculous how, how much is stacked against me right now. But like, I'm just going to laugh and I'm going to figure it out, right? And so I, I, <laughs> we just sort of laugh. We're like, well, we're going to have to cancel our Sydney hotel, cancel our Auckland hotel, extend our rental car. Where are we going to sleep tonight? You know, we found a place in Taupo. Um, it's just the same when you're on the course. Kia ora tato. That was Matt Urbanski. I'm Matt Raymond. And I'm Matt Eugene Bingham. This is Dirt Church Radio. Interesting conversations with interesting runners. Hey Eugene, how many things have you been panic buying from Wild Things? Yeah, I think, is it a truck pulling up? <laughs> it's an Air Force helicopter. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I, I went on the uh, VIP, um, I got went and hooked in for the VIP the lounge. discount. Yeah. You know, because you can, anyone can shop on the Wild Things website and they've got a range of excellent stuff, but if you're the VIP member, get the ka-ching, you get the, you little, get the discount. The discount. What, so, what did you buy? Oh, what didn't I buy? I just clicked. You just clicked on stuff. I just clicked on stuff. I panic bought, panic, panic purchased. Um, started because I, when I was running on Saturday, Sunday, you know how your bottles start to leak. Yes. Yeah, in a leaky bottle. Right. It didn't end there. Need a new bottle. Yeah, and it didn't end there. Right. I just keep going. Anyway, I've got a truck turning up, so I have to keep going. <laughs> Can we get going? Um, but it, you can hook into these VIP savings if you sign up uh, and use the code DCR2021. Uh, All you get, caps. Yeah. You get VIP membership for 15 months for the price of 12. Yep. And what happens is at the end of the month, Mal is happy. And We're he, happy. he sends us a little... Uh, as as a way of saying thanks yeah. for people using the DCR code. So if you use the DCR2021 code, you get something out of it. We get something out of it. Mal gets something out of it. Everyone's you join happy. the community, everyone's happy. Yeah. Do it. Things.club. Mm. Hey, Eugene, I've got a confession. What's that? Uh, you know, last week when you were like, there's a, there's a new pocket on my Zygos that you put your phone in. I was like, oh, well, I, I, said, when I said new pocket, it's been there all along, but I didn't I found know about a new it. Pocket and I was and like, you were going, you were I going, knew yeah, yeah. about that pocket. Yeah. I didn't know about that pocket. <gasps> and I actually, by accident, when I was going out for a run, found it. And other people have been reaching out to us saying, we also did not take the time to properly investigate our Zygos pack when we purchased it. Yeah. And we have found that. You know, carrying our phone in our pants or in a belt around our waist like animals, um, mm. where there's just that you can a little repository you can put it in there, keeps dry. So Fantastic. when you when it, last week I was telling you about this pocket and you're going yeah 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 no it was yeah, dismissive yeah. you were very dismissive yeah. of me but it turns out you didn't know about it either and I heard from someone else no name's Petra uh, who said I, this is embarrassing but I've been using this vest every week and and washing it and stuff and I'd never noticed it either. Uh, amazing. There's actually someone posted up on our Instagram as we are recording this saying the same thing. Good news. Ultraspire.co.nz have the Zygos 4 finally back in stock in the, the large size. Mm. The Ultra Flask 550 and the Soft Flask 500ml option. So you get a normal thing and then those Marathon de Sable kind of sticky outy straw. Is that a drink bottle? I think it is. It's not an antenna. Like I you, thought it was an antenna. I think you're getting a bit... Wrapped up in this whole 5G vaccine thing. No, no, it wasn't that. I just thought it was, I thought people were like taking precautions for like not getting lost. <laughs> right. 
thought it was it's a Garmin thing or something. Two gar- yeah, two EPIRBs yeah. for a run around Riverhead. No, but it's a, what is it? It's a soft flask. Like they're coming into fat. They're, yeah. they're the next, they're the coming thing. It's the, yeah. it's the sticky outy yeah. thing. Yeah. Tom Wickram had them the other day. Yeah. I'd be so, worried about falling over. I put my eye out with it. Yep. Yeah, so the Zygos 4, large, mm. finally back in stock. Fantastic pack, our go-to pack. And the Ultraflask 550s and the Soft Flasks are back in stock with any kind of option. You want to get your normal kind of one and then the weird poke your eye out Hey, one. look, if people want to get like decent advice rather than our advice where we don't even know about the pack until we... <laughs> Oh, I know about the we pack. discover just... about the pack, you know, years later. Yeah. Where should they go? Ultraspy.co.nz. There you go. They go something like further, faster, they're in Christchurch. Rocky is hairy and so is Badger. Jules is nice and Jack is delicious. Go further, faster now. Go further, faster, they're in Christchurch. Rocky is hairy and so is Badger. Jules is nice and Jack is delicious. Go further, faster now. Ditchitch Radio. I see what you did there. Yeah, well, I didn't want to be the only non-Matt in the True. show. True, that actually for, for listeners who might have caught my genuine edge of surprise in my voice, I truly didn't know that you were going to do that. But look, episode 131, we made it. We did, we did. Uh, just to check, you're recording both tracks here, right? I am recording both tracks. Why is that, Eugene? Because I'm, because I'm away. Where are I'm you? I'm not there. I'm in um, Bannockburn, oh, looking out at Mount Difficulty. In Terry Davis and Kieran Phillip territory, ah. um, yeah, yeah, or near to them anyway. They're down the road in Cromwell. Um, yeah, Suzanne and I are in a motorhome having a look around Central Otago. Huh. Have you um, have you seen either Terry Davis or Kieran Phillip be striding well, the hills like the behemoths there? <laughs> Yeah, I thought I thought um, I'd best keep away from them, otherwise I'd be dragged into like a four-hour mountain mission or something. That's right. <laughs> Or a level, or a, a sets uh, Bijou level two situation. Um, exactly, exactly. How's, how's yeah, level? How's, snow on snow on one half of me. That's right. <laughs> how's level one going for everyone? Yeah, they're enjoying it down here. They're enjoying it down here. I have been keeping to my alert level two, but it's Monday and I get to stop then at midnight tonight. Absolutely, absolutely. You can go out and hug every everyone you choose uh which like a good southern man absolutely like every good southern man fond mm. of hugging other men uh but look mm. how awesome was it to get um that tarawera special out last week uh although it did sound like we were on the whiskey and ciggies a little bit just a little bit and i did quite a lot of what suzanne calls muntering now what is muntering well it's kind of where you just like this you know you kind of start a story and you lose track and and then you just kind of, your voice drops off and manta, manta, you know, muntering. I thought that was just called Dirt Church Radio Podcasting, but anyway, look, there was, <laughs> and we True. made a career out of it. Hey, look, there was one thing we forgot to talk about last week and that was what an incredible job Tim Day and his team of course organisers did to handle the curveball of the earthquake about 10 days before the race. Yeah, um, I mean, chucking in that boat that boat trip was amazing, and at least one of our mates even managed to kip on board. Oh, wow. How long was the boat trip? Yeah. Oh, like, I don't know, five minutes? Less than? Huh. Three minutes? So it was, it was genuinely like a, just the trip around the um, side of the trail that vomited itself up onto the... There we go. Just, so it was, it, was, it was literally that mm. quick. Yeah, well, what about that 48-hour track event that Katie and Fiona are talk, uh, cooking up? Yeah, it sounds incredible. I, I'm really, I, I mean, it's 
it's incredible that when they finished and they were like just so um so taken by the emotion of everything and it was dark and they'd been running for 20 hours and blah 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 and they still were just like yep and we're going to do a 48 hour track race because that's how we roll you know there was no talk of a sausage roll and a lie down or or whatever (laughs) (laughs) and and i think as well katie's talking about running for great britain um yeah to get the record yeah which is Mm. sort of conflicting but you know whatever you do you katie um (laughs) (laughs) and i also i I mean i also have to talk talk about muntering um paurarahara was the person uh that ran the 100 mile in gumboots and did 10 burpees every kilometer not whatever the heck last name i mangled last week i listened back um to the episode and gave myself an uppercut and I immediately reached out to him on Instagram and was like I'm so sorry if you've listened because um, that's not your last name I know that's not your last name but um, put it down to just exhaustion but he was as gracious as ever so I have to have a correction that was powder raha raha not powder whatever the heck I said so there we go um, we also neglected to mention the exterior Wellington Festival last weekend so they had a half marathon, and get this. So first was Aaron Lynch and 129.03, and second was Deborah Lynch and 134.17. I, I think they're brother and sister triathletes. Huh. And and third was... David Hounschmidt? David Hounschmidt. Oh. No, no. He, well, he was at Tarawi, remember? But right. Mal Aiken. Ah. Yeah, 137.42, which was great to see her back running after a bit of a niggle lately. Yeah. Uh, and back on the podium, of course... Wouldn't be a podium in New Zealand without Mel Aitken. So, like, wh- this week you jumped into the breach, man, um, because we were both back at back at work. Uh, but you know, you had a, you were able to work from home this week, and you you caught up with Matt Urbanski. I did. I chatted to Matt Urbanski, who won the hundred mile race. So uh, that was last week. He'd in fact meant to have left the country, but. Once again, the pandemic had intervened. Uh, look, I won't go into too many details because he, he tells the story. But basically, Matt is from the US, but he and his wife, Julie, and their kids have been on the road for a few years. And they headed down to do Tarawera last year. And as we said on the on the show last week, he ended up DNFing and thought, oh, well, that's that. I won't be able to get that race again. But the family were due to fly to Japan. And then lockdown arrived, and they ended up having their flights cancelled and getting stuck in New Zealand. So they thought, what do you do? They just travelled around and voila. So he got to stay in New Zealand, have another crack at Tarawera. So we talk all about their family lifestyle on the road, um, which is not what inspired me and Suzanne to jump in a motorhome, by the way. We already had that (laughs) planned. But um, how he introduced some new stuff to his training and for Tarawera, specifically for Tarawera. And, um, yeah, all about his coaching business, um, how he approached race day and what the family's plans are. Oh, that sounds I can't wait to listen. Um, I am genuinely excited about that. Uh, and uh, certainly when he came across the finish line, he, he just, it's funny, some people, are, and so he, he didn't seem in distress at all. He just, just like cheerful and happy and, you know, if not a bit sort of, you know, I've just run 100 miles, but he just looked so in control. Mm, mm, fantastic. Fantastic. So how have you been, man? Yeah, I've, 
it's interesting. Everyone talks about, and we've talked about it so much on the show, about how the, you get the letdown after events, you know, like the two or three days later, and, and Kerry and Ali were certainly talking to me, and they're saying, don't, you know, you're going to get this massive sort of Tuesday blues. And I didn't have it at all because we were straight back into our level three. So I was straight back into work and straight back into thinking about everything and straight back into, you know, preparations. So apart from being a busy week, um, yeah, no, I, I feel like I've kind of, dodged a bit of a <laughs> dodged a bit of a come come down bullet which was um which is quite good and I certainly wouldn't recommend you know the threat of a global pandemic rearing its ugly head to to, to do that but yeah I've been okay what about yourself yeah good 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 what was the what was the impact at work on going back into level three uh the impact was I mean gosh things very, it was it was minimal actually because everyone flexes up. So much like most businesses or most places in New Zealand, you know, we've done it a couple of times now. We know what to expect, and we and everyone was so ready for it that everyone just flexes up. So everything just snaps back into place. And in terms of the, oh, I mean, people, we had one or two days with less presentations to hospital, but apart from that, it's been business as usual. That's good. Mm. That's good. Mm. Um, and you've had some hot runs, I saw. Yeah, it's been so hot. I mean, I've for those you know who know Riverhead or Naseby of the Naseby of the North, as as I've just taken to calling it right now. After you told me it was like Naseby, um, I never had a hotter run out of Barla Road the other Saturday. Like it just broke me. I was destroyed. <laughs> I was destroyed. And for those who know that, that that climb, it's something that you, you know, you kind of use it as an acid test for your fitness. And, you know, I can run up it very, very, very comfortably, but not, not that day. I was just, it was a shocker. Just mm. wrecked. So hot. What's the weather been like down south? Yeah, it's been, it's been glorious. Um, a little bit cloudy today, but really nice. Yeah, as you, as you mentioned, I did, I had a run at Naseby uh, and went out and found um, part of the Great Water Race track. Uh, and yeah, did discover it very Riverhead esque, uh, which was which was nice. Felt like home. <laughs> uh, yeah, really, really, really nice. I enjoyed running there. A um, few other runs around the place. Uh, looking to go for a run around here tomorrow on discovering some trails and stuff. But it's yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun. And Suzanne and I've been having a good time exploring. Like, there's so many pubs. So many pubs. Not that we've been doing a pub crawl, but uh, <laughs> just about more pubs than rabbits. Really? Is there that many pubs? Uh, yeah. 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 Mm. You know, the old beautiful old pubs, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But they're all, lots of them have adapted to deal with the rail trail uh, uh. riders and, you know, serving Devonshire teas as well, which I don't suppose they served back in the 1860s. No, not so much, but, you know, it was, well, I don't know if they would or not, but Devonshire, Devonshire, Devonshire teas mm. sounds incredible. Right, so mm. we should hit that red button. We should do, yeah. Or maybe we should just sing it this weekend. No, we you should know? definitely hit the red button. All right. Old Ghost Road, Old Ghost Ultra. Mm, on the old ghost road. Road. God, yeah. Speaking. For those of us um, in Auckland, it's old ghosted ultra though. Um, mm. let's see what you did there. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so the eighty-five kilometer race has quickly become an iconic event. I mean, oh, 
it's a race that we we were really hoping to get to uh, in the end, but we wouldn't have been able to anyway with Auckland still in COVID level two and the West Coast and the rest of the country was on level one. The organisers made the tough call that you couldn't come if you were on level two. And here's what they said. We were genuinely sorry and sympathetic to those of you that this applies to, but we wish to do a bit for New Zealand and ask everyone who does their bit to uphold and abide by the guidance. And I I think that's as difficult as that is, that's fantastic and it's exactly the right call. Absolutely. I mean, it's the same situation we had with Rotorua Marathon last year. Mm. And so I, I know how it feels, but um, yeah, it's absolutely the right thing. And the race went ahead, um, you know, Australians who love that race couldn't get here either, of course. So, mm. you know, but it, but it was a, a fantastic day. It looked like an amazing, amazing event. Yep. Kerry was sending us updates. Yeah, Kerry said we, we got a couple of videos from Kerry. That was really, really cool. And it just looks incredible. Like it really does look so uh, wild and amazing. And yeah, it's, uh, again, it stoked the fire. But look, I mean, there were some impressive performances in first place uh, in the women. There was Margie Athal from Dunedin in 838.54. Second was Sarah Tatton from Wellington in 855.13. And Third. Oh, I'm going to jump in here. Oh, yes, Fleur Pausey in eight fifty nine fifty four. Ah, yeah. What's happened there? Well, that's the open woman that ah. got here. So Nancy Zhang was the third open woman, but actually Fleur, um, who was in the, one of the vets categories, was third over the line for Fantastic. for the woman. So there you go. There, you go. there we go. There so go. Fleur Pausey eight fifty nine fifty four, and Nancy Zhang uh, in nine oh three seventeen. Mm. Um, do you want to hit the men as well, just because my dodgy internet line? Sure. So in the in the men, it was uh, Kunal Rajpal, who has been there or thereabouts for so many years. He's always such a he's such a feature on like Tarawira and Old Ghost, and he took the W this year. He's he's one of Craig Kirkwood's athletes from Tauranga. Um, Danielle Desain of Christchurch. Oh, sorry, Kunal's time was 7.10.32, which is super impressive. Danielle Desain was eight minutes back in 7.18.37, and Blake Slattergen from Kelburn was 7.33.36. Just, I mean, that's a stonking time, isn't it? Mm, yeah, it sure is. Yeah, really impressive. Yeah. Um, and it looked incredibly hot as well. So the shot over Moonlight Marathon in oh, Queenstown was yeah. on at the weekend too, talking about hot. And it takes place on the private Ben Lomond High Country Station, which is normally closed to the public. So it's a very, very special race. And, you know, uh, again, a race that people travel from right around the world to go to, but but couldn't this year. So, um, yeah, special race and yet another one we've got to get to. So women first uh, was Rose Alicia Pearson in 909.52. Uh, second was Joanne Elliott in Elliot in 923.23. And Julie Williamson in third place in 935.30. In the men, it was Aaron Whitford in 736.14. Sam Mowat in 820.04. And Ben Griffin in 822.03. And the... And the yep. uh, Oh, yeah, so that, that's there you go. So, I mean, the GOAT coming up next week on yep. the 27th, and, and Riverhead Rampage isn't far away either. Yeah, Riverhead how's Rampage. It, how's it shaping up? It's, it's shaping up good, man. It's the it's the eighth running of the Halatau Riverhead Rampage, and it's 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 my race, it's our race. So, if you want to come to that, you go to riverheadrampage.co.nz. I mean, it's a registered not for profit, it's cheap as chips, it's one of, it's a tough 
21k run in Riverhead Forest and then we all go to the pub and have a beer or a beverage of your choice and it's fantastic and all the uh, all the proceeds go to Riverhead School and all the proceeds go to Riverhead School to um, go towards the children, like physical activities, PE gear, stuff like that. So um, it's our eighth eighth time and we've certainly had some challenges you know like with the lockdowns and we've had some staff changes but yeah we're, we're, we're cracking on so mm. can't wait what, to see, see you all out there what date is it 6th of march cool and i yeah. can't wait to be back back marking again yeah yeah it's gonna be it's it's uh, i won't be out there with you this time because we've had as i said we've had some yeah um i i sort of warmed up emceeing tarawera and i'm gonna go and go for the big dance now with <laughs> <laughs> Oh wow! No, that'll be that'll be great. That'll be great. Looking forward to that. Absolutely. Hey, um, I reckon we should just jump straight into greatest run ever this week. So, part of the show where we ask you to write into us and tell us your greatest run ever. It doesn't have to be a race or a mountain summit or that time you emceed um, Riverhead Rampage. It might just be a run around the block, something that sung to you for some reason. Send it into us, Radio at gmail dot com. Greatest run ever. And this is from one of the nicest human beings I think I've ever met, and uh, one of the I've never seen him. I saw him in a jacket at Tarawera and nearly fell down because I've only ever seen him in singlet and short shorts. His name is Matt Bailey, and he says, "Hey, Matt and Eugene, I can tell you that I've wanted to write a greatest run ever forever, but I just haven't had that incredibly tingly great run to email about. Don't get me wrong; I've had some pretty special runs and some epic adventures, but you say not the one that just sung to you. This weekend was different." The journey is long and it involves many spoonfuls of lots of people and a truckload of inspiration, admiration and privilege. I'm more of an XL guy, so bear with me <laughs> as I try and do this justice. The day started with a 3am kickoff, a check of gear and a few words with Andrew, the runner I would support before we made our way to the Tarawera Mila. The starting ceremonies began, the emotions were already starting to run high. This wasn't FOMO, it was admiration and humbling inspiration as I watched these hardy souls cross the line to start a journey which would impact their lives and the lives of anybody anywhere close to them. I watched the lights trail away and readied myself to get to the first aid station. The lights at the aid station started to precipitate so it started to precipitate through little twinkles of light under which there were still smiles, nerves and strong legs. So Andrew came and went, further behind Fiona, Katie came and went, and the day was on. Okay, quick on to the next station. We press repeat. Things are going well, but maybe Andrew is a little quick. It's getting light. The pattern repeats at each aid station with an added sense of excitement, nervousness and a battle unfolding at each aid station. Plus, add in a day of sharing with other supporters and some general stuff goofing off and some general goofing off meant my emotions and excitement were riding high. A boat crossing, attending attention attending to a few things in the aid station, and here we are. Andrew is ready to be paced. There are only minutes between the runners, but day and night to the finish. We go up the first hill, and my chatter is high, but worse with our closest known competitor, Lewis, is with us. Damn, it wasn't part of my plan. Anyway, Andrew and I can't go harder at this point, though it's tough going after over 100k. How's the stomach and the knee, I ask? Yeah, alright, the knee hurts a bit downhill, comes the reply. Code for, oh my god, I'm suffering, why am I doing this? I want to stop, but I can't finish. But I want to finish, sorry. Lewis goes ahead. Damn it, I say in my head. Okay, how do we get us going faster but not overcooking it? 
my really privileged role is kicking in. Okay, let's trot this bit out, then we work, walk, and then, okay, my pace, we trot out a bit more. We're moving, but not as fast as I was like. I can feel the pressure of the next competitors, who I know from the whoop whoops as Katie or Fiona. <laughs> okay, we've got to trot this bit. Good going well, and repeat and repeat. So this is another runner who knows what it's like to be chased down by Katie Wright. Um, we hit the Miller Road aid station and by now it's dark and our world is as big as the headlamp spot the aid station angels sort us out and we're on our way some easier downhill not too fast steady pace you're traveling well and we carry on till we hit the blue lake whoa hello it's andrew's partner this brief stop hugs encouragement and the coke from the last aid station all kicking in we've got a boost we quietly roll through the blue lake trails giving words of mutual encouragement to fellow runners and volunteers Soon we're welcomed to the aid station by claps, cheers and head torch lit faces. We refresh, gather ourselves and then holy moly it's the mighty Katie Wright coming in. We're gone, we're pushing now and we're running scared. Scared of going too hard and scared of not going hard enough. We're overtaking runners but are we going quick enough? Back in the forest I can hear them Andrew says. Just keep trucking, we're running your race I reply. Secretly wanting to grab a pole and and pull him up the hill. Tension is high but the effect of the last aid station fuel is kicking in. The downhill trot is closer to a run and those niggly inclines are not so niggly anymore we're moving down the steps we go passing more runners with encouraging words hold on you're a mile a pacer well done keep it up i shout as we pass but immediately around the corner i tell andrew you're in fifth now spirits and knees are lifting higher 200 meters to the redwoods aid station i run ahead to prep the volunteers for our smash and grab as we raid the oranges and coke we feel like we're flying but where are the others Okay, not too quick. We've still got seven kilometers to go, I say. Our noses tell us we're about to hit the sulfur strip. And we weave in and out of turns. I don't look back. Andrew's on my shoulders. Our steps in time. Beep, goes my watch. Another K down. I look down. Five minute, ten kilometers. We're okay, Andrew. You've got this. I don't mention how quick we're going. Step, step, step. We keep on going. Finally, we enter the chicanes. We can hear the noise. Only a few hundred meters to go. Andrew quickens the step. And he spied another runner and he's on fire. I watch as he overtakes and crosses the line. First miler, eight minutes outside 20 hours. My job is done. I'm so pleased, privileged and proud. What a run. But wait, there's more excitement still to come as we get to watch the two legends of our sport duel to the end. What an incredible run and what a community. Wow. Yeah, there we go. I mean, that's a a bit of a blur, that one. Yeah, what a great thing to be part of. Yeah. And fantastic. It's that sense, isn't it? Like, as a pacer, you are, I mean, it's so much more than running with someone, isn't it? It's, it's, mm. you are doing stuff like running ahead and checking pace and encouraging and conjoling and influencing. It's, yeah. Mm. Mm. And keeping those worries to yourself and then sometimes, you know, having to share things to push them along. It's, yeah, it's, it's sort of a park counselor as well, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, but yeah, to be, to be, yeah, to have a, front row view of of katie and fiona's race as well um as well as andrew's incredible run uh what a what a great greatest run ever absolutely right why don't you take us oh actually speaking you put an excellent pun here um send us in your run because we're running short Uh hey see what you did there right why don't you tell us about our Matt so Matt is originally from the US, but as we've said, he and his family have been based in New Zealand the past year. He and his wife, Julie, run a coaching business, Team Run Run, and spent the past few years traveling with their family. 
he has run virtually his whole life and came to trail running through his love of hiking, having completed the Appalachian Trail, Pacific Crest Trail, the Continental Divide Trail. He's completed 15 100-mile races, uh, picking up his first win at Tarawera, but he's had top 10s at Leadville, Rocky Raccoon, and other top performances. He's completed 15 100-mile races, including top 10s at Leadville, Rocky Raccoon, and other top performances, but Tarawera was his first 100-mile victory. It was a total delight to catch up with Matt. It really was. And without further ado, here is Matt Urbanski. We are joined on the line by Matt Urbanski. Welcome to the show, Matt. Uh, thank you very much. It's great to be here. First of all, congratulations on such an amazing victory on, well, it was late Saturday night, I suppose. Just trying to get my timing right, but um, you know, it was um, an incredible victory, and and everyone that that sort of knew your story of being stuck in New Zealand was so so pleased for you. Thank you. Uh, it, it was just awesome how it all came together and all the support that everyone shared, and yeah, it was a great day. Loved yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, look, let's let's clear up first of all. So you were supposed to be actually flying out again just after the race, but uh, you're still here. What happened? <laughs> as for all of us right with covid times it's a lesson in flexibility and adaptability and we we were supposed to fly to sydney on tuesday this week and monday morning we woke up to find out that the the quarantine free flights to australia were had been stopped and yeah. so we had to change change all our plans and so we <laughs> canceled flights and canceled hotels and found an airbnb in Taupo for the week. So we're just hanging out in Taupo for a week while we figure out what's going to happen for next week. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like we don't want you to leave. Uh, we, we, we've tried a couple of times, not because we, we want to get out of here, but just, I think immigration is eventually going to make us leave. But every time we try, it, it doesn't work. <laughs> Well, there are worse places in the world to be stuck. I, I hope. I hope that's oh. the case for you. I mean, I'm sure you've got family and yeah, things that you it. want to get it back to. But so, just can you just tell us the story of how you how you ended up down here and 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 you know how you ended up still being here, yeah. um, so long <laughs> later. Yeah. The, the The short of it is, we we have an online coaching business, and we we can live anywhere, and so we choose to be nomads, and we normally will change countries every two or three months. And so uh, I have two kids. Uh, my youngest will be two in April and my oldest is five. And so when the youngest one was six months old in 2019, we left Boulder, Colorado, and we spent three months in Melbourne. I did the Alpine 100 challenge down there uh, in November of 2019. And then we came to New Zealand in January 2020 for Tarawera. And that didn't go well. I wasn't. I had some injury issues. That I, we we could get into that, but I, mm. it wasn't a good day. I didn't run well. I dropped out at 140, um, and we were supposed to leave in April to go to Japan. I was going to run UTMF, and we know the story. You know, we all know that story. Then <laughs> flights out got canceled. Yeah, yeah. So we just we just stayed on, and we've just been kind of waiting, and felt like we by dumb luck had gotten a golden ticket, and we're in one of the best places in the world during a global pandemic. And so we've just happily, you know, we've, it's funny, we can say we're stuck, but we are happily stuck in New Zealand. <laughs> mm, mm. So you, you, you sort of, when, when you say we, so it's your kids and your wife, Julie, is that right? Yes. My wife, Julie. Julie yes. Yep. She should definitely be mentioned. She yeah. 
yeah. partner and extraordinaire. It sounds like it. It sounds like it. And so where did you guys, did you guys, uh, like for, for traveling nomads, was there a sense of frustration of, of being stuck or, or did you just decide to pitch camp for a while? What did you do? Yeah, it, I would say we've gotten more and more like flexible with how we live. Like we, for 2020, we had most of 2020 planned out. Like we were going to go to Japan and then we were going to Vienna and then I was going to run TDS and Chamonix. Like we had it all mapped out. Now we've learned to just like, I don't know what we're doing next week yet. And we're okay with it. Yeah. Um, and it's just, yeah, the way, I mean, we, we, at first I would say when we were here, we were, it was tough to live with the uncertainty. We missed our family. Mm-hmm. We thought about leave during level four lockdown. We thought about leaving and going to back to the States I'm really glad we stayed on here. It's been, it's just been great. And we've, since then, we've, you know, since, since we got out of level four back in, I guess it was in May, May. Mm. we've been able to see almost the entire, I mean, we've seen almost all of New Zealand, both islands, and it's it's been awesome. Oh, how fantastic. And has has your two-year-old grown up with a Kiwi accent that's going to stick, do you think? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Both, both my two-year-old and my five-year-old, Brecken and Pavo, they, they say, tomato and <laughs> banana it's it's really funny i mean my two-year-old he says mummy and daddy <laughs> like, <laughs> i don't know how it's gonna work but it brecken brecken the younger one he spent more more of his life in new zealand than any other country combined so yeah he's more yeah. kiwi than he is anything else <laughs> <laughs> i love it i love it and so you you did you mentioned there so you you ran tatawera last year but it, it, it didn't go so well it as you said, I think I think you've said that um, you had some injuries and you weren't as prepared as you should have been. So, do you just want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I. So, the the bigger story is so I turned forty this year, and well, in August of twenty twenty, mm-hmm. and so starting in August of twenty nineteen, I had this epic year planned out. It wasn't wise from a racing. I was racing too much, but I was just going to do it. And I raced Leadville twenty nineteen, and then. Alpine 2019 in Australia and then Tarawera and then UTMF and then TDS. It was like five races in 13 months. It wow. was silly, but I was just going for yeah. it. And I, 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 I've just had posterior tibialis tendonitis that I just didn't deal with. And so mm-hmm. I, it just got so sore that on every run it hurt. And, um, and I was living in Melbourne before we came for Tarawera. And so I was just, I mean, it was awesome. I love it there, but I was running around the tan track and that's not good trail and mountain training um and so i just came into the race with a sore foot and not prepared for the course but i was gonna try anyways and i feel like i've got good 100 miler sort of logistics skills and the mental Mm -hmm. game dialed in so i I felt like i had a good shot still and i just made i mean i my foot hurt which sucked but then i also i mismanaged my race the course i'm much better at the faster flatter or like, like faster and smoother stuff mm. and so the middle of the tarawera course i i was just cruising through it and i was i started moving up and i got into the top 10 and i was like suddenly just got way too excited and right and then i blew i blew up my race and ran too hard my quads I, my legs were just done by the time i did the climb up out of okatina and um and then i started peeing blood and i had them <laughs> i probably had, i didn't hydrate well enough and my wife, so Brecken, our youngest, was not even one then. She, she my, Julie didn't even come to the race. She just said before I left, she said, just don't die out there. We need you. 
Mm. And after I peed blood the second time, I was like, God, if I have kidney failure out here, I really, this, this could be bad. I should probably think about this. And yeah. so my legs were shot. I mismanaged my race and it just, I, I dropped. It's one of my few drops. Yeah. And yeah. I was frustrated because I figured the odds of me ever coming back to New Zealand and racing this one again are pretty low yeah. just because it's, you know, it's a big trip sure. to get out yeah. here. And so the fact that I got a race again this year was just amazing. <laughs> So are you responsible for the global pandemic? Is that, is that what you're trying to tell us? You had to, you had to construct yeah. a way to be able to stay in New Zealand to have another crack at it. It was an amazing master plan that just went perfectly. Yes. I think we need to tell the WHO about this. But anyway, um, yeah. so, yeah, so it didn't go so well. But I guess the good thing is because you covered a, what, 140K? Where did you, where did you end up pulling out? Um, so I went past the Miller aid station at 137 yep. Yep. and it was somewhere between there and okay. Blue Lake that yeah. I was like on one of the roads and someone right. gave me a ride back to yeah. Blue Lake and, okay. yeah. and that was the end. So, so but, somewhere but around 140. I guess the, the good point is that you, you saw lots of the race. You had lots of good trail knowledge at that stage. So coming into this year, you kind of knew what to prepare for. Oh yeah, totally. I was ready. I, I knew if I had another shot, I was like, I know what I need to do next time. I was... And, and so, yeah, I, I was ready this time. It was just great. <laughs> mm. And you, I mean, you mentioned there that you've got that sort of problem-solving mind side of Myler racing dialed in. So, I mean, you, you've done, what, Saturday was your, or Tarawera was your 15th, is that right? 100 Myler race? It was race? my 15th finish. Yeah. I've tried 18 of them. So I've, yep. I've DNF'd Rocky Raccoon twice and Tarawera once. So right. yeah, 18 tries, 15 finishes. <laughs> yeah. So you've got that sort of, you, you know what you're in for. And then with the trail knowledge, yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, it was, everything was sort of looking good for you. So how did your training go? Uh, it, training was really good. I, I was based out of Nelson for most of the tra training time, um, which I think worked out well. And um, I didn't I didn't solve my foot issues until like August. I, I got a pair of custom orthotics when we were living in Tarunga and the orthotics really helped and offload some of the stress on, on that part of my ankle or my, my foot. Mm. And, but it wasn't until October that I started feeling fit and good again. And I went through a quick block of like interval tempo type of like marathon training. Mm -hmm. And then I did a few races. I did a, a marathon in Hanmer Springs and a couple of 50 Ks, one in Port Hills area in Christchurch and one in uh, the St. James Conservancy area. And like, and then after that point for like the last month, I just focused on vert and technical trail, a lot of like just steep uphill stuff with my poles, wearing my full, like wearing the kit, mm. you know, like I, I feel like I had, I've gone into too many of these races with a big required gear list where like, it just feels like we had a brick on my back and I was ready this time. Like I, it was weird. I was in the first, you know, 10, 20 K of the race last weekend. And I thought, man, my pack feels so light. This is weird. Like, wow. I know I've got everything, but it feels light. So, um, yeah, the last month I just really got ready for the specifics of the course, um, which at least the the parts of the course that were most challenging for me, I was ready yeah. for this year. Yeah, yeah. Because I guess I guess there is a danger, isn't there, when you when you have got something in your mind of okay, I know go, I know I'm going to need to prepare for that part of the race, and I guess you're thinking that technical section through the Humphreys Bay area plus that climb. Is there a danger if you concentrate too much on those? You don't. You, there's, an, there's a there's a cost of the the stuff that you were already good at the the faster flatter running. 
How do you, how do you kind of, how do you get that balance right? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I focused first on my running fitness. Like I, I was ready, you know, I was running, I would say one time in the last month I went out and just did like a 15 or 20 K at like a, 345 like a fast marathon for me a good marathon effort yeah um and i was like okay cool like i i'm comfortable my my running fitness is good i knew that and so then it was just really dialing in on the race specifics i i guess i I just had a lot of confidence in my ability on on the flatter like the road ash pit road and the yeah you know initially getting into the forest like i i was i was cool with that Mm. um and I mean, I still ran, like I ran the flat stuff. Like I would double some days where, you know, I would go do vert in the morning on the hills and then I'd go out for an easy flat jog in the evening. Right. I, I didn't ever just like stop sure. routine running, mm, but, mm. um, okay. I mean, I guess there's, there's that risk, but I, I felt pretty, pretty good about how you, you manage that I risk. Balance, yeah. So. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and so I think you mentioned, I mean, I'm going to put the, the link in our show notes because Matt has come up with the most amazing uh, race report. It's brilliant. You've got to read it. So uh, as I said to him before we started on this, I'm going to totally plagiarize from that race report because it's so good. But you you specifically mentioned a couple of trails um, in the Marsden Valley in Nelson that you found helpful, the Scout Trail and, and Powerline Trail. Is that right? What was it about those yeah. trails that, that helped you? Uh, the the Scout Trail is steeper than anything on, on the Tarawera course. It had like 30 to 40% grade for – a kilometer and a half or something like it was, it was just way steep. Mm. And I don't normally do that kind of stuff. Like I don't like, I am not, that's not my skill set. but I knew I needed to be stronger on that, that kind of like big steps. Like I'm, I'm a short guy. And so Mm -hmm. taking big steps just like kills my, I, I, I just feel like I wear down fast on those kind of courses where you have to take big, powerful steps. Mm. Unlike Louis Schindler, who is, he's super tall. He's a, (laughs) he's from Nelson too. I got to run with him a lot. And, I mean, he will just bound up these big steps. Whereas for me, it's a lot of work. Yeah. So yeah. the, yeah, the scout trail had me just like more powerful going up steep. And then the, the one up the power lines, it's the same area of Marsden Valley. It, um, just a slightly less grade, maybe like 25% grade, but like I, I had to hike it. I don't hike, tr- I don't train for hiking that often. Mm. Um, and that's what th- those trails made me hike. I couldn't run them. Mm. And so you know, when I, I, there was a time when I, I, you know, going up out of Okatina, that, that climb at 120, um, I had a a mower, I was passing a lot of hundred K people during that section and I was just powering up that thing. And I thought, man, I am ready for this. I trained for this. And it, it was a cool feeling as I was just powering up that it was, it was, I know it was a moment where I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for this day. This is awesome. Yeah. And so, so you, you were, you were hiking up, up Okatina. Yeah, I mean, there yeah. were sections I would run, oh, but then sure. there were yeah. steeper sections yeah. where yeah. I had to to like dig in and just use my. I'm a big fan of poles, man. I was digging <laughs> in with my poles and just powering up that thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's how that's so. That's just going back to Marston Valley. That's what you were doing there. It's not like you were doing hill reps up Scout Trail or anything. You were you were practicing your your hiking technique and and getting comfortable with it. Yeah, just just getting ready to be able. To, I knew I was going to hike during the race, so I knew I had to practice. Mm. Okay. It couldn't be a new thing for me during the race. Yeah. It had to be something I had rehearsed. Yeah. Okay. So race day comes around and I mean, you know, some people make some unusual choices. You chose to wear the Space Cat Taco singlet. 
I actually didn't race in that. No, that was oh, my. Didn't you? I, oh, okay, I can't, okay. I can't race in it. No, man, I, I, my nipples will chafe. It's no good, man. I, I, I wear all compression gear when I race that long because. Shave it is too bad otherwise. <laughs> well, that's good to hear because I, I saw a photo with you with, with the start line behind, with, uh, sorry, um, Tatawera sign behind you. I was like, what? Anyway, so that's good to hear. Good to hear. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. so you, we'll, we'll try and get that photo and, and put it up for people to have a look at. It's quite something. Um, so race day comes, you said that you were, you were calm all day and, and you had a motto of not even thinking about racing until 120K. Where did that come? What was the thinking around that? Uh, it just, for me, knowing myself and how I respond in 100 mile races, I need to be patient. The times where I've gotten into racing early in the day, I, I just don't have my legs when I need them later in the day. It's mm. just such a long event. And so I, I have to tell myself, I like commit in my brain that the race doesn't start until at least 70 or 80 miles or, you know, 120, 130 K. Mm. Um, so I was ready for, it. I, especially knowing that I had gotten overly aggressive in my first attempt, it was all the more important that I just stay patient. Yeah. And I mean, of course, like I was, I was aware of what was going on, right? Like I it was, I knew I was in the lead early on and yeah, I knew someone was chasing me and then Carl passed me and I, I knew I was in second and there was a guy in front of me, but like I was, I had silly rules for myself. Like I, I would say like, I'm not going to ask anyone how far Carl's ahead. I don't need to worry about it. I don't need to care about it. Manage your day. And you know, if, if, if I do my, my, if I can control what I can control well, and there's a chance to race them later in the day, then it'll be on, but right. not until I get to that point. Right. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's, that's the thing when you, when you say that you had a, a model of not even thinking about racing, you, you, you took the lead quite early on until sort of Isthmus before Carl Reed sort of caught you. And then he, he pulls away. And I guess even though you didn't want to know, people were telling you, weren't you, that he, he was, well, I think one report said an hour ahead of you. Um, but you still managed to maintain that sort of thought process of I'm just calm. I'm not racing. Yeah, I, I was definitely interested, right? Like I wanted people <laughs> to tell me. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I tried to re respond well to it, and yeah, and it was almost it was almost helpful that the reports, you know, as as I started passing hundred k people, um, some of them, you know, it's awesome. I love when they want to tell me where I'm at in the race. Mm. But when the reports would be like, oh, he's just ten minutes up, and then someone said, oh, I think he's just like an hour. I was like, <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Like my data is not accurate, so I'm not going to really worry about this. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's I was um I was pacing in some friends in the hundred mile. We finished well behind you, by the way. But um when uh, I, I recounted from last year's race, I said to them, guys, when we get closer to the finish line, people are going to start telling you there's only ten minutes to go. There's only two hundred meters to go. They are all wrong. Because <laughs> do not listen, because you'll start to go, oh yay, and then it's not. It's always unreliable. Yeah. <laughs> expectations management. If you get your expectations set in one way and then they're not met, man, it sucks. <laughs> it does. It does. So it's just like you're gonna go, yeah, thank you, and then just just ignore it because it's bound to be yeah. wrong. Yeah. So okay. So you're 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 hearing these reports about Carl, but you're trying not to. I guess get tempted to chase him or anything, but eventually, when you come into Okatani, you you do get a report that he's he's not well, and then you come across him on on Western Okatani. What what was that like? It 
it's it was just like double two two emotions and it was yeah. like the first moment i see him i'm just elated like yes yeah. i got him mm. and then immediately after i'm like oh i don't want to be like he looked bad right like he, yeah. he was not in the place he wanted to be and i i didn't want to gloat either right like yeah. it was like i I, re- I ran with him in the beginning he had the same experience i had last year right like yeah. he dropped out and he yeah. was back wanting to get things done and so suddenly i mean after my immediate sort of like yes i got him it was like oh man come on car you know like i, mm. I feel bad for you and i want you to i w- i told him when, once i saw him at, at miller after he'd been pulled out i was like dude I, I wanted to beat you and i wanted to get you but i wanted you to have your day too yeah you know? and yeah so hopefully he recovers well and yeah gets to gets another shot and gets it done because yeah. i know it's it, it feels good when you finally figure it out <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely absolutely it's that sort of yeah, con- conflict of emotions. But um, had, had you picked up a pacer at Akutana? No, I, I didn't have I didn't have a pacer at all for any other race. I would wow. have loved one, but it just didn't work out. Didn't work for out this one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you you at that point when you pass Carl, you're now in the lead. You know you're in the lead, and suddenly, I mean, there's thirty odd k to go, or but more maybe. Plenty of racing, plenty of tough terrain, and you're not sure what's happening behind you. What's that like? <laughs> It was, I had literally been hunting, you know, like my mind was, I'm the hunter and I'm going to hunt Carl down eventually. I had not thought about who was behind me at all. And mm. suddenly it shifted to like, oh, I'm now the hunted. I have no idea who's hunting me and where they are. And so I became way more interested when I, <laughs> for each station afterwards, like who's behind me? What's my lead? Because I've had an experience where I was at, at the Cascade Crest 100 in 2017. Yeah. I, I got run down and just a few miles before the end and it, and, it was not i mean in that case you did run down no and in that case you'd led most of the day right yeah from like 50k all the way till the last 6k oh gutting <laughs> gutting yeah so and you knew what yeah, that feeling so I, was like i knew what it felt like to be caught yeah yeah and i did not want that again and i i mean th- th- at that point the race was on right you're within 40k of the finish and it's time to go and so yeah, I was really interested in what was going on behind me, and it was you know very eager to get data on on what was going on. Mm. So did did you manage to get some reliable data? I think Julie hung back at one point and at one of the aid stations or something, and to give yeah. you an accurate fix. Yeah, it, it, yeah, but I mean, so Julie at Blue Lake, um, I had heard very you know like uh, I knew I had twenty minutes on Doug from Okatina, like he left twenty minutes after me, yeah. so I knew that. Yeah. But you know, I'm I'm that was at 120, and I was at 149 at that point. So yeah. it's like, oh, anything could have happened. Absolutely. Um, and then uh, Julie waited around at Blue Lake for half an hour and didn't see him. And so when I saw her at 158, she was like, "Well, you had you had at least 30 minutes there." And so I was like, "All right, well." At that point, I was I had spent a lot of and the one section I didn't know was 149 to 158, and yeah, that section roughed me up pretty good. So it was just a powering to get home at that point yeah because i i'd spent most of my energy in that section between blue lake and redwoods but yeah thankfully i I, had a i had a good lead (laughs) i mean you described it as an ass kicker and i think uh, you know 99 (laughs) percent of the runners who took part uh at tarawera would agree with you because it really is and i remember last year i i don't know why but in my mind i thought once i get to blue lake i'm home it's a it's a cruise from there, but it's not. You've got a lot of work to do before you get to Redwoods. 
oh man, there's some steep, like there, there's some really smooth, fast stuff, which was, it was great. I was like, oh, this is great. I'm going to be mid seventeens. This is awesome. Mm. And then there's just some relentless uphill. I was just like, yeah. man, this is steep and I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it was dark. And then, stage, and then to right? get down. Yeah. It was dark. And then to get down, you have these big steep steps downhill and my oh, legs were not into that. Steep. So, I mean, you know, it is, just one of those things like, man, I am, I am, I know it's flat when you get to Redwood. I know I've run that sulfur point yeah. area plenty of times. Like yeah. I know what's coming, but where is it? <laughs> <laughs> and that section after, even after you've done that climb that, um, up to Tokorongi Par, I think it is. And you, uh, up to the, up to the water tanks and stuff, you, you still, you always feel like, I know the aid station is just down below me. In fact, at some point you can hear it. But you keep being sent away from it, and it just seems to go on and on and on. And then, as you say, those stairs. I mean, we should have had a trigger warning at the start of this conversation because those stairs are awful <laughs> on tired legs. <laughs> but, of course, now if I do Terroera again, I'll be ready for that section. That was the only section I didn't know. So yeah. now I'll, I'll be mentally ready. For, I'll, I'll do more stair work yeah. <laughs> before the next one. Yeah, if, if those flights <laughs> don't come through. So, so you – I mean, you – reach redwoods and i guess you know with your background and 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 speed and stuff you might have been thinking you could zap home through there but but you weren't in that position no i was slow man i was <laughs> i mean i ran but i was i i shuffled home yeah um i wasn't eating or drinking well like had, had the race been much longer i would have i would have had more problems just because i my fueling wasn't wasn't as good later in the race and um it it was just survival for the last seven, eight K. Wow. Wow. Uh, so I, thankfully I didn't have the race that Fiona and Katie had. Like, wow. I, oh man, I don't envy their <laughs> 90 seconds apart. That would have been, ugh. <laughs> been oh hard. yeah. Katie running, looking over his shoulder. Yeah. Cause at one point they could actually see each other. That's how close oh, they got. Man, that's, yeah. <laughs> um, that's, you know, to be racing like that at the end of a hundred mile of, wow, you know, hats off. But, um, so you, I mean, you, you got there, you, you made it and it's your first hundred mile win. Is that right? Yeah. I've, I've had a, a few top, a few podiums, but yeah, first time I actually won. It was really cool. What was, when did it sort of, I mean, I guess at some point you realize no one's going to catch me. I am going to make it. Does it sink in yeah, I mean, it, at any point? I mean, it didn't, I didn't let myself really believe it until I could see like where you're getting funneled into the shoot in the last 200 meters. I mean, that's yeah. when I was like, okay, I got this. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, anything can happen. I could, I've made wrong turns. I've tripped and fallen. I've you know, start, start puking. You know, I, I try and when I race hundreds, I'm like in the moment the whole time. I don't, I try not like allow myself to think about a narrative or a story or, you know, like, get too far ahead or, mm. you know, dwell on things. It's just like, what am I doing now? What needs to be done? How do I do this well right now? So until I got to the last 200 meters, that's how I was thinking. And then I, right. I could see it and I was like, okay, yeah. I got this. I'm going to win a race. This yeah. is amazing. And, and <laughs> was so it cool? Was it amazing? Oh yeah. It was awesome, man. It was, and, and, and hats off to the Ironman group. They, and you know, everyone involved Tim and, and Paul, like they, they just put on such a cool event. Like they made it feel special. Um, mm. And so coming into the end, having that, uh, I didn't know they did the the haka. I think that's how you say yep, it. Yep, that's the, how you say it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just so cool. Like I, mm. I didn't know what was going to happen. And, um, 
yeah, it's just a special moment that I, I will have with me for a long time. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, that's the beautiful thing about that race is, and you mentioned this in your race report too, that, that extra component of the tangata whenua, the, the local people, the, the, the Māori, um, uh, the tau Māori part of it that is so ingrained in the race and from, from the haka at the start, the haka to the welcoming home, the winners, the talkie, the, the, the ponami that you get, uh, it, it really is special, doesn't it? Isn't it? Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So you, um, was your family there at the finish line or cause it's, it's what around about midnight or something at that point? Uh, right around 10, 10, 10 PM. Okay. So it wasn't yeah. super late, right. but my kids are normally asleep by eight. And so, yeah, they were at the finish line. Um, we had decided beforehand that Julie was going to try and keep the boys up and, and go to Blue Lake, go to Redwood, be at the finish. And um, so, yeah, I was coming around the, the last turn and saw Julie and Pavo. Pavo is my five-year-old. Yeah. Um, Brecken was asleep in the car, so Julie didn't get too far from the car. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, to see them there was awesome. I mean, because I, 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 mean, I didn't really know many people. Actually – Besides Julie and them, it was like all the the race people who I had gotten to know over the last the previous few days, and yeah, um, but yeah, it was awesome seeing her at the finish line. Brilliant, brilliant. Because she used to crew all my races, and yeah. then we had kids, and then it became like I'm much more on my own out there. Yeah, but she she crewed the whole whole race this time, which was really cool. Yeah, yeah. So when you, I mean, you you ran without a pacer, and um, you, you know, it's like yes, you didn't know many people. How do you? It's it's almost a solo effort. I mean, you've got obviously Julian, amazing crew week that she did, but but when you're out on the course, it's a, it's a solo effort that can be quite lonely. Um, but how do you sort of stay in the moment and stay focused? Do you listen to music, or you do you have mantras, or how do you how do you manage yourself? Uh, that's, that's a good question. Um, I would say I mean, I, it was lonely. Actually, like from when I took the lead early on, I mean, Carl said the same thing when he caught me. I was like, man, is it lonely out here? You know, like we, yeah. Until we started catching people from the 100K, uh, they, they, I didn't see anybody. It was just me out for a jog in the woods mm. and, or the, the bush. And, <laughs> mm. um, and it was fine. Like I, when I look back on the day, the day flew by. The hours flew by. Um, I, I'm really focused when I'm running on – just like what needs to be done now? Like, how's my feet? Do I need to eat? Do I need to drink? What am I thinking? You know, like just trying to not, not make wrong turns. I'm, I'm just really focused on what I'm doing. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't meditate for example, but like when people talk about meditation, mm. um, like this feeling of sort of like being present and, um, or like flow state, you know, people talk about that kind of experience. Like that's how I feel when I'm racing well. And mm. so the time can really fly by. Uh, I did, I was excited for, I had music queued up. Uh, um, but I, I wanted to make it at least halfway before I, I allowed myself to listen to it. So mm-hmm. after 82 K I, I popped in the, the earbuds and, and then I really got into a good groove. It was awesome to listen to music for a while. Mm. And, um, what were you listening to? But yeah, I, I have a wide mix and I asked, I asked all my, my athletes who I coached before the race to give me one or two songs so I could think of them when I was out there. Oh, and so wow. I had music I'd never listened to before. Uh, and it was really fun to be like, Oh, this one's from, from Johnny or this one's from Brett or this yeah. one's from Gemma. And, uh, so that was really cool. And 
songs that just remind me of my family or I, I tend to, when I'm racing, I, I like songs that evoke emotion. Yeah. Um, I'm not really into, like, I, I, I don't like music that makes me feel, I don't like angry music or like mm. aggressive type of music when I'm yeah. racing. I want things that make me feel happy. It, it sounds kind of funny. I mentioned it in the race report, but, uh, or maybe, no, I didn't actually. Um, the song that got me the most was the, the song from Moana of all things. Like, <laughs> I'm out there. So you want to know what the guy who won Tarawera is doing? I'm out there singing Moana in the middle of the woods by myself. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Feeling like I just love life and my family. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, during that part of the race, in the middle of the race, it was just fantastic. I was just grateful and yeah. loving the experience and thinking about my life. And it was great. How cool. I mean, it's, 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 yeah. I mean, I guess with, those song choices and and the ones that have been suggested to you it's like you're you're carrying even though you're alone you're bringing all these other people with you oh yeah it, and because we live this nomad life i mean i've got friends and family all over the world and so i didn't feel alone out there i knew they were like i had people following me and all all over the world and it was it was just a, a cool feeling mm. to be listening to this music from them that makes me think of all these people knowing they're watching and yeah, man, I, I was, I was grooving out there and just <laughs> loving life, getting getting myself set up for the race, you know, with forty k to go. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. So you, you you did mention briefly there nutrition earlier on nutrition. So what what did you have? I, I saw that you had some spring energy gels and a few peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Um, how how are you managing your nutrition? Yeah. Um, so I, I do a, a vegan plant-based diet. So uh -huh. I, I'm always like that. I've got that filter going on in my head. Yeah. Um, I do, I primarily will just do gels um, and whatever sports drink they have at the race. So I drank some of the pure drink yep. that they had there and water. Um, and then Julie at 62K had some, <laughs> my, my sort of like specialty, the things I'm excited. I want something that like I'm excited to eat that I don't have in normal life yeah. that like I want to eat. Yeah. So like I eat Pringles on the road, on Ash Pit Road. I was, I was loving it. I just <laughs> bag of Pringles and half a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And, and then, um, I only allow myself, I only drink coffee two days per month. Oh, and okay. so I had Starbucks cold brew in uh -huh. a bottle at 62 gay. So I had a, I was really excited to get my cold brew. It was like jet fuel out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, when you don't drink caffeine and then you, you get it in your system after not having it for a while, it, it's powerful. So oh. I enjoyed, I had my Pringles, I had cold brew, I had some Sour Patch Kids in a little Ziploc bag that I munched on through the forest. Um, but then otherwise it was just spring energy gels and water or pure the, the whole race. Yeah. Yeah. Maggie Gattel, um prepped for Big's Backyard by not drinking coffee beforehand so that when she had it during the race, it would give her a pep. So that's interesting that you kind of had the same experience almost, you know. Oh yeah. It was powerful. I couldn't, I couldn't sleep the night after the race though. Like, I mean, I, I was in bed by 1130 and I, I had the most fitful night's sleep, partly because I was so sore. I couldn't move, but yeah. also because I was so hopped up on caffeine. <laughs> Oh, I love it. So, but but you mentioned that if the race had gone on any longer, you might have have struggled a bit. Is that just because you couldn't take any more nutrition? You had had you stopped feeding yourself, or what? What was the issue? I was still eating. Uh, I mean, I, I took down a speed nut gel, two hundred fifty calorie gel, and a bunch of pure just with four k to go. 
but it just didn't feel like it was absorbing as fast. Like right. I, um, it, it, things were just, had just slowed down. You know, when, from the, the, the 120, actually really from the 93 K mark on from, it was just, the, there's more technical trail, there's yeah. more up and down. Mm. And so like I was working harder, it was harder to just like run and, and eat at the same time. Mm. And so I fueled less and less. I was more tired. I was putting in more effort. Um, so it just got harder to fuel in my body. Like, yeah, I was just wearing it down probably. Yeah. I, I would have needed to be a little more patient. I, I mean, if, if I would have known the race was say like 180 K, I would have had to go with less effort yeah. in the sections where I was pushing. Sure. And I, I would have yeah. been okay. But like, I still like pushed a little too hard too soon. Cause I, I didn't, I, I was, I didn't have the legs in the end cause I didn't, I couldn't fuel as well. Mm. Um, mm over the last 40k or so i guess but i mean that's I guess, okay it was only 165k race it's yeah fine. i mean you timed it perfectly <laughs> <laughs> i guess so the thing is that your metabolism must slow down and the further you go on and 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 as you say the blood's having to get to those muscles to work hard when you're hiking and dealing with that jet technical terrain and stuff so it makes sense i suppose that it gets harder to fuel yourself i not really thought of it but you're right yeah. So let, let's talk about your, your coaching and, and well, first of all, how did, so you, you, as I understand, you were always a runner. Is that right? You kind of, when you, yeah. when you were growing up, you were, you were running and stuff. So has it always been yeah, part of your I, life? A, I, I am a lifelong runner. I started running when I was probably doing five K's and 10 K's with my dad when I was five or six. Mm. Um, in the U S we have, like, I mean, I ran track and cross track, you know, athletics and yeah, cross country from age ten on. Yeah, I ran in uni. Um, I wasn't amazing. I ran like five k, ten k stuff on the track, and then transitioned to road marathons and gradually made my way to trails and ultras. Probably twelve years ago, I started making the show. I still do some road road marathons here and there mm -hmm. for fun. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I've been doing it all, and <laughs> it's just been part of my life for my entire life. And yeah. Julie is a a runner. We met working at a running shoe store back when we were at the end of uni. And so it's just like, you know, it, it's really helpful to have a partner who gets running. And like, we both make sure we fit it into our days every day, you know, with working kids. And yeah, um, it's helpful to like both get it and both be runners and know that we need to get our time to get our runs in every day. Yeah. Yeah. And so when did you start coaching? Um, I made a career change when I was 30. I worked in financials, like wealth management until I was 30. And mm -hmm. I stopped working that when I was 30 and went to nursing school. And while I was in nursing school, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll try being a coach while I'm huh. going to nursing school. And yeah. by the time I finished nursing school, uh, I had a full roster. I liked coaching and I just went with that instead of, uh, instead of being a nurse. And, ah, um, okay. Yeah. So, and you're, so, I've, so you're a trained nurse, yeah. but you actually started coaching instead yeah yeah so yeah i've had kind of like multiple careers i never actually worked as a nurse but i got licensed i went through mm. all the education and and then just went on and did the coaching thing and we uh it was just me coaching individually mainly out of the seattle area in the u.s but then um we basically turned our coaching into a coaching platform where we now have probably let me say 80 85 coaches coaching on, on our roster now and we've essentially created a marketplace for runners and coaches to connect. Mm -hmm. And so it's been really cool to like help other coaches get into online coaching and to help runners find a good fit for them. And 
I still do some individual coaching. I coach a lot of awesome people, but I've been more and more focused over the years now on, on growing our platform and getting more, more coaches into it. And um, yeah, so that, that's, and then Julie, Julie and I do it all together and she does all the, the web stuff and yeah, she, she does, she actually makes everything happen. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a cool thing and it lets us live anywhere and, yeah. and keep doing cool running things around the world. So when, when did you go on the road as it were? Mm. I would say, so Pavo is five. Um, when he was four months old, we left Seattle and have essentially lived as nomads ever since. So I mean, we, we traveled a lot pre-kid, yeah. pre-kids and done, we did a lot of adventures then, but sort of officially nomads yeah, since early 2016. I mean, before Pavo was three, he'd already lived in five continents and 17 countries and been to most of the world marathon majors and Western States and UTMB. He, he's been to everything. He doesn't even know, like he doesn't appreciate it, but like he's been to every major race probably in the world. <laughs> wow. Yeah he's, yeah. he's the envy of trail runners the world over. Yeah. <laughs> so, and during your time in New Zealand, have you been, how, how do you move around? Are you got a camper van or do you just stay in Airbnbs or what, what do you do? Mainly Airbnbs. Uh, mm-hmm. We did a, a camper van, from out of Queenstown over the, during the winter, we tried it for three weeks, a, a juicy van. Yeah. And we saw a lot of the South Island that way, but we, we try with our work. I mean, we, we need good Wi-Fi. Yeah. We need time to be able to sit and, yeah. and get things done. So we, we would typically do like a month in each place. So, I mean, we've, we did lockdown in Auckland. We spent a month in Queenstown. We've, um, we did a month in Taranga. We've, we've been all over. Mm. Um, mm. we, the Nelson area worked out really well. Like, a we had a great host, um, Airbnb host there. And then he basically blocked out his calendar and just left it open for us for the last few months. And so Brilliant. we've stayed there much of the time and, and really liked that area. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. And so if you can finally, finally get out of our country, um, <laughs> you fly to Sydney, is that right? We the plan was to fly to Sydney yesterday. Yeah, um, we're kind of just waiting to see. Yeah, um, I, we're not in a rush to get out of here, but sure. we and and New Zealand immigration hasn't told us we have to leave yet. But we, they've also sort of they've emailed tourists and basically said you should be thinking about it. Mm. So we felt like we were kind of getting a little nudge, and so we were trying to. We didn't really. There's there's like there are two flights to L.A a week and they're expensive and we don't really want to go to LA right now. Mm. Um, and so we wanted to have other options and Australia was a great option up mm-hmm. until two days ago. Mm. So we're, mm. we're just kind of waiting to see what happens. And yep. yeah. <laughs> if, if we go to Australia, hopefully I can race UTA. If we stay, maybe I can go race Northburn. Uh, I'm not really sure. We're, <laughs> we're just kind of waiting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Trying well, to be flexible. Yeah. Well, UTA would be a great, great opportunity. Is that, is that on the books? Yeah. Maybe. I mean, if, 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 if it works out and we're in Australia, I'm definitely going to try and race UTA. Fantastic. Um, yeah. But if, if we're in New Zealand, I'll just figure out what the next best, best option is here. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess, yes, wait, wait, wait and see. I love it. I love the attitude and I love the lifestyle <laughs> you have. Um, yeah. Wow. It's, it's great that you've been able to, I mean, you've worked hard to be able to create that opportunity for yourself and you, and you've taken the leap, which so many people are scared of doing. Yeah, I, I feel like it's the the skills that we're exhibiting with how we live day to day 
are super applicable to racing ultras. I, I mean, I'm sure anyone who's like really into a hobby, they make analogies to what their hobby is with to how they live their life. But like um, in ultra running, I feel like you've got to be flexible, adaptable, quick to solve problems. And when things go bad, you've got to just, I mean, sometimes you just got to be like, you just got to laugh when crazy things happen. You're like, this is, this is just ridiculous. How, how much is stacked against me right now? But like, I'm just going to laugh and I'm going to figure it out. Right. And so I, I, we just sort of laugh. We're like, well, we have to cancel our Sydney hotel, cancel our Auckland hotel, extend our rental car. Where are we going to sleep tonight? You know, we found a place in Taupo. Um, it's just the same when you're on the course. It's like I had issues going on and it's like, well, my, my, my left quad is not working right now. How can I use my poles and my right quad to, to get up this hill and mm. just figure it out mm, mm. The ultimate problem <laughs> and kind of laugh about it when you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, Matt, look, thank you so, so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And, and congratulations again, but I, I do have to ask you one more question, which is when we ask everyone, and that is, Motobansky, what is your fav- your greatest run ever? It doesn't have to be a race. It doesn't have to be, um, you know, it doesn't have to be Tarawera by any stretch. It can just be <laughs> any run that you've had where you it just sticks in your mind as one that you really love for some reason. It just warms the cockles of your heart. Ah, that's an easy one for me. Um, it's a Rocky Raccoon 100 miler in 2017. And I can specifically remember around mile 85 there, I was listening to this song. It was Macklemore 10,000 hours. And it was like, I, I've run the quick summary. I've run Rocky raccoon five times. It was my first race, my first hundred. I dropped out of it. It on the fifth try, everything came together. I ran the race of my life. I was strong all the way to the end. And it was just like, it all came together on this course that I had tried five times on. And yeah, that, that's the most memorable run I've ever had. It was just so awesome to have. It was the first time a hundred had really come together for me. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I can remember specifically on the course when I was listening to that song, when I had that feeling like I'm doing this, this is awesome. Mm. And uh, yeah, Rocky raccoon 2017. Brilliant, brilliant. With Macklemore as the soundtrack. Well, that's that's fantastic. Yep. <laughs> hey, look, thank you so so much. I really appreciate all your time. I appreciate catching up and you and you being so open and, and sharing so much about about uh, your race. I really appreciate it, and I'm sure all of our listeners will too. My pleasure, and thanks to you. Thanks to to all you Kiwis for for welcoming us. We've 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 loved being stuck in your country. It's been awesome for us. <laughs> well, we've loved having you. All right, thanks so much. <laughs> Wow, here cool. we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't caught up on whether they're still stuck in New Zealand yet. Yeah, it'd be interesting to find out, hey. Yeah. So we're trying yeah. to get um, to S- Sydney? Yeah, yeah. So um, good luck, and I hope you... Um, I kind of hope you do end up stuck here for a while longer, actually, yeah. Matt. Be, it's been good having you. <laughs> um, That's right. Yeah. So look, anyway. thank Thanks very much for tuning in. Um, 
We're on social media at Dirt Church Radio. You can email us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. You can find us on all the podcast platforms. You like and subscribe if you fancy. And you can download direct from the website, which is dirtchurchradio.com. Don't forget to write in with your greatest run ever. We'd love to hear from you. And you can read them on the website too. Thanks to our sponsors, Scott Running, Further Faster, Spring Energy, and CLE. And thanks to our Patreon patrons and Wild Things. Thanks to our guest uh, to our guest editor, to our editor, Kieran. And we've got another great show lined up for you next week. So tune in then. Kakite. Kakite. Thanks, Rigby. <laughs>